Hey, welcome back to More Than Bread. I'm Dan, your host and Bible reader. And for the last few months, we've been feasting at the table of the Psalms. This is episode number 141, and we're diving into the rich, rich food of God's Word in Psalm 119. Now, this podcast, More Than Bread, more than anything else, is serious about the value of the Word of God. And if it wasn't so stinking long, Psalm 119 would be the theme chapter of More Than Bread, because it is a deep dive into an almost never-ending feast of words about the Word. Psalm 119 is an ode to God's Word. It's a love song to divine instruction. It's a heartfelt celebration of the psalmist's deep devotion and unwavering commitment to the ways of God laid out in the Word of God. And I don't know, perhaps it's appropriate that it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. And and it's not just long, it's a carefully crafted acrostic poem that follows the Hebrew alphabet, 22 stanzas, one for each letter, and each of the eight verses within each stanza begins with the same Hebrew letter named in its heading. Now, here's the deal. We're going to have to take at least two episodes to get through this psalm, maybe three. I mean, it would take me almost 20... (laughs) minutes just to read it. And and I'm not going to skip any of it because it's just too good. So let's get started. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I think I'll, I'll start with seven sections. So that's probably leading us to a total of three episodes on Psalm 119, but there's so much good in it. If you have a pen and paper, here's what I'd like you to do. Just write down the word, the words, the, the phrase, uh, the description of the word of God that really grabs your heart. And if you don't, have a pen and paper, then just just let one or two grab hold and hang on to those. The first Hebrew letter is the letter Aleph. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You've charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. For me, the word in this first section is the word joy. A life of integrity leads to joy. Surrendering to God's word brings joy. The second letter is the letter bait. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. How can a young person stay pure? By following the guidelines of the Bible. In my youth, I would sometimes tell my dad or a coach or a teacher, I got to make my own mistakes or else I won't learn. But, you know, wisdom says that God has given us this amazing capacity to learn from the mistakes and the wisdom of others. And here's how it'll happen. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, when I was a kid growing up in South Dakota, we didn't have all that much money, couldn't afford the typical camp experience. There was no young life at that time, at least not in our area. So I joined RBC, Rural Bible Crusade. (laughs) It was a scripture memorization club. 
And, and some of you are thinking, Scripture Memorization Club, if you get good at that, can you turn professional? <laughs> can you make money at that? Will it help you get into college? Probably not. But, you know, I'll be honest. I, I'm not sure if there are many other activities. Maybe there are no other activities which shape me more than the words that I memorized as a kid. If you memorize 300 verses, you get a free week at camp. And and we went to camp and we had scripture memorization contests. It's kind of like Bible memorization nerd camp. <laughs> but But hiding his words in my heart, I'm telling you, hiding his words in my heart has shaped my life. What words have you hidden in your heart? The next letter is Gimel. Be good to your servant, the psalmist writes, that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. I'm only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I'm always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. Don't let them scorn and insult me, for I've obeyed your laws. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. Man, I, you know, the, the, the writer of this psalm is just in love with Scripture. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. This is a good prayer. God, open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. And not just my eyes, my, my kids' eyes, my neighbor's eyes, my, my spouse's eyes, my friend's eyes. Let, let us see. God, open the eyes of our church. Let us see that we might also be overwhelmed with a desire for your ways. The next letter is Daleth. I lie in the dust, revive me by your word. The word of God, these are my words, the word of God revives us. We, there is no revival without his word. Verse 26, I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. <laughs> Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I've chosen to be faithful. I've determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I'll pursue your commands, for you expand my understanding. I lie in the dust, the psalmist says. Revive me by your word. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. You see the value of the word of God? Keep me from lying to myself. <laughs> Do you realize that when the Spirit of God breathes life into our bones through the Word of God, the Word of God revives us and encourages us, and I love this, it keeps me from lying to myself. Lying to myself does not bring life. Lying to myself does not bring revival. It's not a good source of encouragement. But when I dive into the Word, I get real with me. That's what I love about the Psalms. They're, they're real. There is no lying to yourself. It's, it's real. I get real with me. The next letter in the Hebrew alphabet is, hey, teach me your decrees, O Lord, verse 33. I'll keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I'll put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I, I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. 
you know, don't miss the psalmist's passionate conviction here to respond. It's not, it's not even just to listen to the word. It's not, it's not enough to learn from the word and listen to the word. Both are good. They're just not enough, right? We don't find life until we lean into the word. We listen, we learn, and we lean. Those are the three words that we talk about at Calvary. Listen to the word, learn from the word, and lean into the word. What does it mean to lean? We respond. That's all. What am I going to do with what I heard, what I learned? We we depend, we surrender. Teach me your decrees and I will keep them. That's leaning. Give me understanding and I will obey. That's leaning. Walking along the path of his ways is leaning. When we long to obey, he renews our life with his goodness. The next letter is Vav. Verse 41, Lord, give me your unfailing love, the salvation that you promised me. Then I can answer those who taunt me. For I trust in your word. Do not snatch your truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I'll keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I'll walk in freedom, for I've devoted myself to your commandments. And and in my, my words, just don't miss the connection there between freedom and obedience. I walk in freedom because I've devoted myself to your commandments. Too often we think that obeying God takes our freedom away, but it's actually what brings us freedom. Verse 46, I'll speak to kings about your laws and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your command. I meditate on your decrees. Give me your unfailing love, the psalmist says, for I trust in you. Don't snatch your word from me. Let it simmer and, and saturate my soul. I'm devoted to your ways. I delight in your commands. And then finally for this episode, the letter of Zion Verse 49, remember your promise to me. It's my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. The proud hold me in utter contempt, but I do not turn away from your regu- right in, from your instructions. I meditate on your age-old regulations. Oh, Lord, they comfort me. I become furious with the wicked because they reject your instructions. Your decrees have been the theme of my songs. Wherever I have lived, I reflect at night, on who you are, O Lord. Therefore, I obey your instructions. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. Your promise is my only hope, the psalmist says. It revives me. This is how I spend my life. I invest my life obeying your commandments. Is that how we treat the word? Is that how we value the word? A leadership magazine article years ago began with a question, ever notice how few Philistines drop by the church anymore? Or how rarely Moabites get converted and lead a small group? Or how no one has a cousin married to an Amalekite? Pretty much all the nations and tribes from the Old Testament Bible times that were Israel's size, at least, they're, they're gone. A few of the huge civilizations from that time still exist, like Egypt and Greece. But Israel was this tiny, economically challenged, small group of nomads. They they were so insignificant that countries like Rome or Egypt rarely even mention Israel in their historical records. In, In his book, The Gift of the Jews, author Thomas Cahill asked the question, how did a tribe of desert nomads not only survive, but change the very way the world thought, felt, and acted? What distinguished it from all the other nations that no longer even exist? The answer Cahill suggests is the book. Israel had a book. They called it the Tanakh. The sacred writings were called the Tanakh. When you get to the end of it, it's like you're clearing your throat. It's from three letters. T is for Torah. N is for the Hebrew, is the Hebrew word for the prophets. Nadim, 
and K stands for Ketujim, which means the writings. They were a people of the book. They had a book that told them about the one God, that he is the creator, that he's holy and kind and good and powerful, that his love endures forever. They, they had a book that for the very first time in the world said that human existence is not just an endless cycle. It's a story with a beginning and an end. It's a God story. They had a book that told people how to live and more importantly, why to live. They had a book that said God created humanity in his own image, full of potential for beauty and wisdom and courage and generosity, but that humanity turns its back on God and the image was marred. They had a book that hinted at the end of the story, that this God would come to redeem the brokenness of the world and restore the relationship between God and humanity. John Ortberg writes this book so defined them that they were called the people of the book. To help their children learn the book was the greatest task of every parent. To to be able to teach this book, to be a rabbi, was their greatest ambition. Sometimes we wonder about the first disciples' willingness to drop everything and follow Jesus. It's because he was a rabbi. And to have a rabbi invite you to follow him is like having a big league coach motion you over and say, hey, I, I think you got what it takes. They were a people of the book. If you know anything about Jewish culture and tradition, you know that Moses began the tradition to start every day, every day, daily, with the words found in Deuteronomy 6. They called it the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for hear, listen. Shema Yisrael. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and and talk about them when you sit in the house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, every opportunity will be an opportunity to steep in and talk about and ponder the word. They were a people of the book. And that book didn't say, have it your way or let Oprah tell you what to read or go with your gut. You were to start with the book in the morning and end with it at night. Their day started and ended with the words, listen. (laughs) They were binge listeners. They were people of the book. And and this reference, reverence for scripture shaped the life of the early church. In fact, Paul said in Romans 3.1, what advantage is there then of being a Jew? Much, he responds, in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. A guy by the name of Rock Bottomley. Honestly, how could you do that to your kid? I mean, can you imagine all the kids in middle school who wanted to be able to say, yep, I hit Rock Bottomley today? (laughs) Anyway, Rock tells a story of visiting Israel and sitting beside the Sea of Galilee while their guide reenacted a typical early Christian worship service. When they came to the part of the service during which people listened to the reading of the Bible, their teacher walked to the ancient ruins of a closet where the sacred scrolls of the Torah had been stored, and he took out an imaginary scroll. And as the people clapped in unison, he began to dance the Torah dance. And while he was weaving his way through the congregation, the people imitated the early church worshipers by putting their hands to their lips and then touching the sacred scroll as he passed by thereby kissing the sacred words of God. As the teacher made his way to the front, everyone would stand, and then he would read the words of Scripture. And when he was done reading, he would declare, these are the very words of God. Rock writes, this is why they clapped with excitement. This is why they kissed the scroll. This is why the reader danced. This is why they stood in hushed silence while the scriptures were read. This is why they listened with eager anticipation. God was about to visit them. God was about to speak to them. They were a people of the book. 
So I guess that's the question. Are we a people of the book? Are you a person of the book? Or are you just a person with the book? Let me read just a bit of what we read, this time from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Verse 1, you're, you're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road that he set. Oh, that my steps would be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I'm going to do what you tell me to do, God. Don't ever walk off and leave me. Verse 9, how can a young person live a clean life by carefully reading the map of your word? I'm single-minded in pursuit of you, God. Don't let me miss the road signs you posted. I've, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so that I won't send myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. Train me in your ways of wise living. I'll transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. I, I delight far more in what you tell me about living than in gathering a pile of riches. I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. I, I, attentively, I attentively watch how you've done it. I relish everything you've told me of life. I won't forget a word of it. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me an appetite for your words of wisdom, not for piling up loot. Affirm your promises to me. Promises made to all who fear you. See how hungry I am for your counsel. Preserve my life through your righteous ways. Let me pray. Father God, would you make us a people of the book? God, would you, would you make Scripture come alive in such a way that we, we develop an even deeper hunger for your words, a deeper thirst for the breath of life from the Spirit of God that, that is breathed into us through your word? God, I, I pray that the, the word would not just be something that we listen to, but it would be something we learn from. And I, I pray that your word would, would not just be something that we learn, but we would lean into it. We would respond and we would do. And, and even then beyond listening, learning, and leaning, God, I, I pray that your word would always draw us to Jesus. God, open up Jesus before us. Show us Jesus through your word. God, we, we want to follow your ways. Help us to be a people who are surrendered to following your way. God, I, I pray for anyone right now who who's contemplating rebellion or entered into rebellion who said, I will not follow the ways of God. God, would you, in your mercy and grace, forgive, but would you also, by the conviction of your spirit, lead us back. Lead us back, God. We need you more than we know. We need you more than we know. We're hungry for your counsel. Preserve our life through your righteous ways. Help us to love your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.